The American Petroleum Institute, driving safety, environmental protection, and sustainability across the natural gas and oil industry through world-class standards and safety programs. Since its formation as a standard-setting organization in 1919, API has developed more than 800 standards to enhance industry operations worldwide. Find out more at api.org. Now more than ever, the industry that fuels the world needs the right people to modernize and unify a global energy platform. The transformation is both digital and cultural. Join us as we explore strategies for success in the hyper-competitive war for talent here on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by the IBM North American Oil and Gas Team. Hello and welcome to another episode of Energy Workforce of Tomorrow, sponsored by IBM. My name is Jason Duff, your host today. Another co-host I've got coming in today is Brian. Hello, Brian. Jason, how are you? I'm good. I feel like you and I haven't done one of these recently together. I see a repeat of a guest we have on. I'm starting to think I may need to be looking, brushing up my resume, looking for a job, right? This may be my last podcast or what? What a hidden agenda, Brian, but you've already, as smartly as you ever done, we brought back Emily Phantom because last time she was teasing you getting a job and I think she can do it. Emily, hello and welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. So what type of roles have you got for Brian? Did we find him a role? We did, but he's not really inclined to take it. Turns out that he likes the role that he's in, so. Didn't, wasn't it deep sea diving last night? It was, say? yeah. He wanted to be yeah. a deep sea welder. It turns out he's just a tease, so. <laughs> I think I won't do any deep sea welding and I won't do anything high up on a tower. I've got to have my feet sort of at sea level. That's true. But I like how you dodged that one, Emily, right? Clearly, Jason, she couldn't find me another role. So I'm safe, right? Told you it a lost no, cause, Emily. No. So just in case people didn't find your last podcast about two months ago, Emily, can you do a quick intro of who you are and what you're doing and then introduce that lovely man to your left? Sure. Hi. And his cat. And his cat, yes. I'll let him do that. <laughs> So hi, Emily Fanton. I work with IBM, their RPO and consulting business, so recruitment process outsourcing in the oil and gas industry. I've been doing this for about 15 years. So today I brought with me Scott Strzokowski to talk about what's going on in the market, what we're going to be seeing kind of into 2024. The last podcast we talked about what RPO is in general, but now we want to talk about kind of what the market is doing. So, Scott, I'll let you introduce yourself. Hello. Scott, the output of this before you introduce yourself, by the way, is to find Brian a role. So just put it on there. That'll be the last thing we come back to. Yeah, I got you. I thought I was going to have to pronounce his last name by the end of the podcast. I was so (laughs) glad that, Emily, you dived right into that. I practiced for at least half the day yesterday, and I just couldn't get it. Hey, Scott, welcome. How are you? Very good. Very good. Actually, I brought in a custodial engineer position for the scholastics industry that I think you'd be really good at. <laughs> Not even sure what that is, but I'll, it's a I'll take high it. school janitor. But there we uh, go. yeah, <laughs> no, I just kidding. So I uh, work with Emily and do a lot of work between consulting, working with candidates, working with clients, oil and gas right now. But really, you name the position, and I've touched it. But yeah, no, I've heard this is kind of the place to be. You guys are some good people to talk with about this. You're of my people, so I am definitely looking forward to some conversation about this. Well, Scott, welcome. <laughs> maybe and, and thanks. Oh, my, Brian, my kitty cat. Yeah. Oh, we forgot to uh, intro the cat. I am Scott. sorry. Yes, yes. Harold just turned two last week. 
He's taking his, I don't know, eighth nap of the afternoon right now, so I'm not going to wake him. He gets grumpy. But it looks like a piggy bank to me. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> right. Right, right. We'll steer back of that one. But yeah, no, he's a... <laughs> yeah, he is my... Well, welcome, Harold, and yeah, welcome, thank Scott, thank to you. the podcast. <laughs> it's good to be here. You know, Scott, I think it's great to have you on, and Emily, we certainly enjoyed, and maybe you are becoming a regular, whether you know it or not, but it's good to have you back as well. And Absolutely. You know, when we were kind of doing the prep before the podcast, we were talking about just sort of the industry scenario that we're all sort of living in. And certainly, as we all know, a lot of dynamics have played into this market, but what I think the net result is we're seeing a lot of consolidation. We're seeing a lot of tailwinds in terms of demand. And I think that's probably having a pretty big impact on what our clients are going through and probably what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And Jace, I thought this was all about just kind of riffing a little bit around what does the marketplace look like in 2024 for candidates for the energy workforce, you know, maybe not so much in the future, but today and and now. And Scott, it's great to have you on because we'd love to hear some insights about that. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely, I think if you were to give this past year a superhero symbol, it would be kind of a big question mark. We started the year with a lot of talk about Ooh, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. We get into hit the gas and now we're back to uh, what does next year look like? And then we add the whole variable of, gosh, we have an election year in the U.S. next year. And that adds a whole other sort of conversation point. But I think industry-wise, there are some things that have remained consistent in the industry, like you know, networking and things like that are still just, it is about who you know a little bit, but also it's a different mindset because we're trying to look at new ways of doing the same job with less. And I think it's just forcing us to have conversations about, well, how do we reach the candidates right now? Because the candidates aren't always looking the same as they have in the past. So Scott, what would be the main difference from next year? What do you see it going to a question mark for this year? And to, I know you said we've got a, clearly an election. There's a lot of cost reduction discussion in sure. the market as yeah. well. But is it buyer's market, seller's market? What do we think we could have a look at? There's a lot of, uh, and I'm going to use the word again, variables that are going into it because there's so many parts of that that just can't be answered until we start to know what we're being given. Because a lot of this, especially in the last year, I mean, we've seen these big shifts in the automotive industry. We've seen these big shifts with what the candidates are looking for in an employment. There's all of these different elements that play into oil and gas that are making us think a little bit differently about it. I think The driver, the thing that's going to be the big impact maker is really if managers can start to think at the level of our candidates when it comes to maybe going to the candidates where the candidates are instead of just posting a position and waiting for the onslaught of applicants to come through, if that makes sense. But as far as just to give you a quick answer, I usually like to draw a picture with every crayon in the box, so I apologize. But to look at next year, I think it's going to be a little bit of the same. Of what we've seen this year, it's going to be a little bit of people looking to their, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Well, let's go. We still have jobs to do. We still have jobs to fill. But honestly, it's just continuing to have the conversation because I think the real question that needs answered isn't going to really hit us for another couple of years as this big push towards electrification has come. So, Scott, you said something earlier, and I wanted to dive into that a little bit. And maybe you kind of covered that a little bit in that talk track. But You said clients are trying to do more with less. And I guess, is that 
doing more with less because budgets are reduced? Or is that doing more with less because the talent that maybe historically has been out there in this industry is sort of drying up with the aging workforce and some people are coming out of university or looking away from the industry? What is the more with less dilemma, if you will? There's a couple of layers to it. And you touched on a couple of them when it comes to you have the budgets being strained, but you kind of have to think why. Really, if you can get to the questions, answer the why question, answer that question, you understand, well, why are the budgets strained? The budgets are strained because. Start to figure out whatever that because is. But here I'm going to take it from another angle. You have one element of post-pandemic. What did the pandemic do to us? It put us in a situation where we have to lay people off. We have to cut it here. It put 50 it, pounds it, on me. That's I can what, tell you right now. <laughs> right. I'm there with you. I'm there with you. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I'm I've got 35 off, but I can't get the other 15. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I know. I was say I was down 15, but then I found 50. So it's just it's crazy. Yeah, no. You have that element. You have that. What happens if we have to? Because we're not 100% out of this pandemic yet. That's another piece of it. But there's that element. Okay, we need to do more with less. We started to see what people can do at home. And then people started getting comfortable with doing that from home. So now you have less people wanting to go into the office. So you have that piece of it. But you also have pieces of the company that are starting to ask themselves of, did we really need three people to do this one task? And starting to think of, okay, well, if I get in a situation where we have to start cutting, if you don't have those people to cut, you're kind of in a safer. So it's kind of a little bit of both trying to prepare in case, but also trying to deal with what we were left after what we learned in the pandemic. And I don't know if I just talked in a circle there, but no, no, I, I mean, I think you take that too. And you kind of add in this whole automation and AI and what that can do. And there's two different levels to that too. It sort of creates this sense of unease in the market with candidates. Like, am I replaceable? Can technology do my job? And versus if technology is doing these other pieces of business, then I can actually focus on the differentiators, what sets me apart. So I think too, if we add all of that to the pieces that you mentioned, I'm like, it just creates this bigger picture of more with less and how to be more efficient is where we need yeah. to be looking. I think that's the word. Yeah. That's the goal is everybody wants to be more efficient, yeah. but... Yeah, it's the middle ground. But there's a balance. And where's the balance? There is, yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, you mentioned earlier, I think the variables, I think was a great way to say that. It just seems like the variables are maybe a lot more complex now than they were when you're doing strategic workforce planning. And there's so many influences on this industry that look so different than it did five, six, seven years ago. And we've seen clients, you know, heavy shift towards an energy transition and then pull back a little bit and go back to their core. We've seen the, the inability maybe to find some of the traditional talent skill sets, you know, all the way down to the frontline sort of welding skills to petrochemical engineering skills. Talk to us a little bit about maybe some of the hot areas that you're seeing in the market. And then talk to us a little bit about how clients are maybe getting creative to solve or fill those gaps, right? Rather it's yeah. through adjacency or other principles. Yeah. Some of the hot areas right now, engineering is definitely one of those areas that is both tough to find. We're looking for more of them. And it's 
I think for a couple of reasons. As far as, again, going back to that why question, it's because these are some folks that, I mean, what they do is think outside the box. These are the inventors among us, you know, and so as companies are trying to decide where do we go from here, one, we need engineers to do what we're doing, what we've been doing and keep it going. But we also want those inventors to help us define what tomorrow is going to look like. You know, we have these challenges coming our way, as I started to mention earlier, the push towards electrification and getting away from some of these things that we're all seeing and hearing and maybe scared to talk about to some degree. These are all realities and there are things that we're trying to plan for. And I do think engineering is going to continue to be a big push for all of those reasons. But as far as maybe thinking a little bit differently on how we're getting out to these folks, it's kind of, I'm going to use the cliche of who you know, as opposed to what you know, because really we tend to get stuck in this rut of, I've got to think of a better way of doing it. And what we've lost sight of is the very basic fundamental groundwork that made us successful in doing it in the first place is why are we trying to reinvent that? And that is really the person to person is we need to increase. You know, we have technology. We have this amazing technology that's coming out that can really get us through the door. Once we're through the door, if we don't know how to look somebody in the eye, if we don't know how to make that person comfortable with who we are and what we can bring them from a personal and human level, then we've only succeeded in getting to them and not getting with them, getting the relationship built. So I think that really forcing ourselves to use the technology in a way that doesn't do the whole job. Like I always chuckle when I hear these ads on the radio for different companies that are going to say, hey, we can do all of it for you. All you got to do is push a button and our system will do the rest for you. And (laughs) I just laugh at this stuff because then you're losing the very thing that you're looking for. And that's a human being in the role getting along with the other human beings that are there with you now. And I think that forcing these, not forcing, but really forcing the conversations within our team to the clients. It's trying to turn a resume into a human being, trying to turn a job description into a dream that somebody out there has and trying to really play matchmaker in that sense to where we can, one success at a time, just get closer to where we want to end up, I guess. Scott, just another question. Talking about marketing, most of us in the oil and gas industry didn't really do a lot. We fell into the industry. And we've had a few podcasts about what do we need to do now? The industry clearly has had a bad name, like it or loathe it, but it's clearly got a dirty name. What are you guys seeing now? Do you sense we need to do more marketing as an industry to try and get the engineers, et cetera, to come back? I mean, what's your sense of you and Emily? I think so. And there are some successful stories out there in other industries that are doing a very good job of marketing. And it's not marketing direct. It's not direct, hey, come buy our product. It's how do we create something that starts a conversation that you're going to want to have after my advertisement is off the radio or off the television? Or how do we start something that keeps rolling after we've finished rolling it out to you? I'm going to back a few years. There was a few frogs on a beer commercial that was the talk of almost anybody that was just sitting around with their friends or the wasa or anything like that that just gets people talking and enjoying a conversation if we can inject that i mean those are brands that people are having conversations about without even thinking about it they're selling a product without even knowing that they're selling a product because we've put that conversation in their brains and i think that that kind of marketing is what we need to get better at and it starts as simple as 
hey, we all have social media. We all have these platforms. And, and if we can start to think of those platforms as these are the face of our brand, that this is my personal brand that represents a bigger brand that I stand behind. If we can all do that, it's collectively. It's all of these little conversations that gets people talking. It gets a buzz going. One of the reasons, Scott, why Brian and I and Emily, etc., host this podcast is getting out there and showing, number one, IBM's in the market, in the industry. Number two, we're not all terrible people, and there's some great stories out there. We do need to attract, and maybe that's the problem in the 70s and 80s, where most of the people that are our listeners are in the industry just now at higher levels. We just stumbled into the industry. There was no advertising. I remember my father designed an intelligent pig up in Aberdeen, and that was my entry point into oil and gas. And I think a lot of us were there, but I think now we find ourselves having to redesign ourselves, if you like, and be attractive. Maybe we're the three new frogs, Brian. <laughs> what I was going to say, I mean, for all of our listeners out there, Google intelligent pig, if you don't know what that is. It's not what you think it is, but it could be what you think it is. But we talk about this quite a bit on the podcast, and I do think for our young listeners out there, there's some incredible things that are going on in the energy industry. And yeah. even in some of the traditional hydrocarbon expiration and production value streams or process streams, there's a lot of new tech that are going into that space to make that operating model cleaner, to make the, the activities less impactful on the environment. And regardless, I think of what you say, we need fossil fuels for energy for the foreseeable future instead of turning away from it. I think there's a great opportunity for young people with great skills. And Scott, I asked about adjacency. When you talk about electrification, a lot of people maybe in their mind think, well, electrification has to be actually the energy output, but electrification is now working its way into basically the mechanics of how the oil is being extracted from under the sea or out into the operating environment in the land. And there are so many ways to make an impact on this industry. I think if you're an engineer, if you're technology focused, and we do spend a lot of time talking about trying to how to bring people back to that. So let's talk about that in the searches that you're doing and what, what kind of industries that are non-traditional oil and gas in terms of engineers, what are you seeing coming in that makes the most sense there? Gosh, yeah. So honestly, some of the search strings I've done specifically are consulting services. Some folks that have been doing consulting. In oh, that's good for you and I to know, Jason. That's right, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm already sending them an email now. Yeah. Emily, make sure you get your surname right on the email so we can get a job here. Oh, I okay. think Emily has you blocked in the string searches already, so it's okay. <laughs> He's on to us. That's one, and it's something that, again, is trying to think outside of the box a little bit, but consulting is one. Now, any company that they drive a technology to a consumer for, I mean, there's a lot of them out there that could be automotive, I mean, to literally drive, or it could be something that's more industrial. I know that some of the folks that we've looked at are folks that have been in the kind of industrial steel that goes into like your stadiums, like the folks back there that are welding and you think of the industrial revolution, those sorts of welding shops, but any of those sorts of areas, because that's another area that's tough to find people that we really do still need is those people that are okay coming home with dirt under their fingernails that just won't wash out. Those folks that are just the Paul Bunyans out there. <laughs> I'm getting off topic a wee, but... Well, but when you say Paul Bunyan, I mean, I just keep thinking Jason could be a... Right. 
Paul, Maybe that's know, where that Paul analogy Bunyan came from. I don't know. That's a, the brawny guy. Anyway, it is really looking at the folks that do the kind of work that we're doing. So you try to think of it. What is the job that you do taking out the industry piece of it? Anybody who is going to design a firmware that's going to plug into a machine so that the computer can tell the machine what it needs to do. Anybody who's done that, and you can find that in automotive, you can find that in electronics, you can find that in any of these, but those are really what we're doing. Instead of really focusing on specific industries, it's more of, okay, let's take the industry out and look at what the person's actually doing. When the office door or the shop door closes, what is it they're doing and who else is doing it out there? And Scott, are you seeing then, because some of these roles, Brian and I, and maybe Emily as well, we're not getting any younger. How do we introduce more of the younger, the next generation, Scott, Emily, Brian, and Jason's in? Are you finding that the industry is keen on investing in this or is it more focused on, hey, I just need the guy with 10 years experience that wants to do this? What's your take, Scott? It's a weird question and I'm going to say it this way. So the investing piece for me is overshooting the goal. And here's why. Just because I think the most impactful thing that occurs, and I'm going to go to what I see most, is with the interviewing, with the conversations, with people coming in for these types of roles to the managers and what that interaction looks like. When I learned, when we learned, we're among the same probably educational eras anyway, is how important or how much focus was placed a good handshake was making eye contact. I remember practicing. I didn't want to have that bad handshake. But then in recent years, we had a year and a half being told that, no, handshakes are bad. We can't handshake. That's how you pass germs. We had this pandemic that changed. And again, it's a year that just drilled this different way of thinking. And maybe it's more of an analogy than the reality. But if you think about it, is we spent an entire year and a half trying to do the same kind of business without one of the more important pieces of that, and that's the introduction. And that's the, hey, I'm going to shake your hand and get to know who I'm talking to. And I've had people say before this that they didn't want to do business with anybody before they've shaken hands, looked yep. you in the eyes. And when you look at customer feedback, the thing that they see that's missing, a lot of times you drill down and it's the communication. It's the pieces that really are the humanity behind the organization. You know, anyway, Scott, just, I spoke to my daughter at the weekend and she's like, I mean, seriously, she's in her final year of university and she's been going for some roles. And she said, dad, some of the clients, which I was amazed at, have still used the same COVID principles where rather than talk to you, Scott, for the role, it'll be an automated service that she calls into. And she's asked questions by a machine and she responds. And she said, she's 21 year old, bless her. She's trying to get in the ladder. And she said, dad, it feels awful. It feels like I'm talking to a machine. And I went, you are. I said, don't do it. If you're actually going for this interview, I wouldn't do these things. It just feels so non. Go back to something that you said maybe 20 minutes or 10 minutes ago, Brian. It just almost feels like there's no personal touch. It's like talk to a machine. I mean, go back to what you said earlier, Scott. Variables. There's so many more variables now, right? Yeah, that's true. We've certainly changed our expectation in a good way, I think, and in some ways maybe to our own detriment in terms of the interaction model. We look at maybe younger candidates in the workforce, their comfort level with working remotely or using technology or, I mean... Jason knows I have two daughters as well, and sometimes I wind up texting with them to talk to them because I have an easier conversation with them over text than when I try to talk to them face-to-face. And maybe it, as individuals out there looking for talent that's rare talent in maybe a constrained market, 
And Jason, one of our clients, I think does this really, really well. We had them on the podcast, yeah. you know, what, six months a year ago, the folks at Iridia, they hire, you know, based on individuals having enthusiasm and desire and personality. And then they develop the necessary skill sets from a technology and engineering perspective that they need. And there's a big lesson to be, I think, learned from that because you have to be so adaptable, I think, in today's industry, both as someone who is hiring as well as maybe somebody who's out there looking for their next role, because I don't think anything is static anymore. And I think the industry is not static the way that we're expected to interact is not static anymore. And certainly the skills that are required with automation and technology coming into play, they're not static. I mean, at some point in time, I mean, how long do you need the number of engineers that you need? Do you have an assisted AI-assisted engineering platform that actually helps take a concept into prototype a lot faster than 10 engineers trying to design it on CAD or whatever. It's super dynamic. You got to be super agile, right? Yeah, 100%. And one, just real quickly, it's I think we fail when we come up with this great tool like generative AI and think, hey, we've got this now. Now we can step back. Now we can let it do it for us and not be involved anymore. Now we can put our focus elsewhere because ultimately it all comes down to the same thing is that we aren't hiring the generative AI. We aren't bringing bots in to do this. These are people with a pulse, with interests, with lives and dreams. And think when it comes back to your question about appealing to those people that are out there, these are people who enjoy liking what they do, being appreciated, mm-hmm. laughing, feeling like they're included. And if we can somehow, and that starts with everybody that's in this, is having those conversations. It's talking about this, like this isn't all dry topic, boring topic. This is something that there's a lot to talk about and affects all of us. Education. We need to teach the folks about what this industry is about and how important it is because it's in, hey, I'm going to trust what that 30-second commercial just told me as opposed to all these years of education that we went through. That's what the problem is, is that we have this, I guess I'll save that because I could go down a whole other tangent. I was going to say, not to get political, I was in high school the other day and they had a poster on the wall that said, stop fossil fuels now. Now it's like, (laughs) wow, this is the message that we're sending to the young people out in Texas. And we wonder why young people are steering away from a very exciting industry, an industry that's got still years and years of incredible career opportunity for young folks out there. But you're right. We have to educate and change the mindset a little bit and get people excited again. I agree. Scott, something else you said. There was a word static that got me thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Clearly, in the oil and gas industry, people in the past, you get lifers. People won't move. There's Chevron, Exxon, Amico. Yeah for life. How do you deal with that? I mean, do you see that becoming breaking now as well, that model? And I would just think when Brian said static, although I agreed with that one, my worry is you get these engineers, even IT people, everyone, they'll really not want to move. Well, Jason, maybe to pile on top of that before Scott asks, because I think it's a real, I mean, how do you help a manager bridge that gap? If I've been 30 or 40 years in the industry and I see that industry from one perspective, but I need to change my mindset on what I'm hiring and how I'm hiring. How do you bridge that gap? Because that's an important aspect probably of what people like you do every day. It is. It really is. And that's a good example of how the application, how the right application of some of these tools can help. Because one, there is a saying is they don't make them like they used to. And 
it could be a positive thing. It could be a negative thing, depending on how much you liked what it used to be. So it's a matter of right now, what we're seeing with the generations that have come out recently is that, yes, they are wanting to move. They are wanting to step up. But are they wanting to move out or are they wanting to move to something that is more recognizing what they're able to give. People are wanting more to be recognized. And I think the reason that we're moving is because we're stuck in this model of, I need to keep who's been here. I need to keep what we've had. I don't want to change to what needs to be. I need to keep what we've had. (laughs) And you have that mindset. And I think that the solution to it is we can't expect to replace those folks that, like you said, are lifers. And I think what you're leading to is that there is an expiration date for not to be too harsh on the topic. But No, no, I think you're spot Once that is gone, what do we have in its wake? And it really is about, well, what does the business need in its wake? Does the business need us to maintain that? Or does the business need somebody who can come in with a new energy, with a new perspective to take us to the next step, but who can speak to the peers out there that are listening? Because the folks out there that are coming into the market, listening to the folks who have been in the market for 60 years, not until we've been around here for a while are we listening, is what I would say. I do think we're stuck a little bit as an industry, Scott. If I'm self-critical, I do think we still think about people versus a service. So when you talk to the clients, we still, as an industry, and I put my hand up being part of it as well. I'm sure you do as well, Brian. We still get stuck to, I like Emily. I want Emily to do her work versus, hold on. Mm -hmm. I need work to be done. Let's get the right person. And I think there's a bit of a, I don't know, Brian, I was just thinking of your question. Maybe that's another part of it as well. How do we move to that service and get the right people in rather than, well, there's Emily, Brian, and Jason. What can we achieve versus mind open, cross-fertilization or pollination between industries, what could we actually do? Especially as we transition into a more of an energy and a utility business, which will need to bring in new skills. I think outcomes matter on a macro level, and I think they matter to individuals as well. I mean, when you talk about people who maybe have been in this career for 35, 40 years, it's sort of been... And I don't mean this in any disrespect at all to anybody that's been in the industry that long, but I think you certainly had an expectation that maybe you landed in a single company and you had a fruitful career that you rose the ladder steadily over time. But now I think young individuals expect maybe a lot more ability to more freely move into new areas, explore new opportunities, rather that's inside of an existing company or outside of an existing company. And I guess as you're hiring into this space, You have to be really mindful, especially I think if you're bringing people from outside the industry, that if you don't give them what they want in terms of that stimulation, that opportunity, that ability to move their career where they want to go, it's maybe a lot less of a mindset that, you know, this is my home for the next 35 years. This is my home until it's, I read something about somebody saying, I basically only do what I'm doing until it's no longer interesting to me. And wow. I think our younger generation, in a lot of ways, is a lot more okay to say that. They're a lot more okay to have a little less stability if the work is interesting. Yeah. I think to kind of come back to what Scott was saying earlier, though, too, I think some of the newer generation can come in and work on a diverse team. So we hear all these diversification initiatives that are out there. We need to have you know a diverse team because it brings all these different thoughts to the table. So I think if you have kind of that newer mindset with some folks that have been there for a while and understand the why behind everything that's happening, you can have this brainstorming, this collaboration and create something that's new and kind of bring that excitement back to it. So I think the overall objective is there. It's just a matter of 
how do we do that? How do we make that happen? How do we find the candidates that have that? And it's getting away from that skill mentality more towards that soft skill. Like we need people that are going to be open, that can communicate, that can research, that can relate to people. They kind of pull all of that together. And then when you get that team together that collaborates, that's where the magic happens. As long as we're doing it so we can see value and not adding just to a KPI, because again, another part of that is, well, KPI, there's enough. We need more females. We need minorities. I'm like, dude, it's a KPI. Can we get to the value that's driven? Again, Scott, Emily, I don't know if you see this, but I think that's what we should spend more and more time on 2024 and beyond. I just hate this KPI. I didn't get here because I brought my little token, you know, female card. That's right. That's right. Look at you. (laughs) Here we go. I've been doing this for 15 years. I've been in this industry. I understand. And I think sometimes some of that can get lost too with some of these initiatives that are out there. And it's a matter of pushing back on it and questioning things like, why are we looking for that? What do you think that that's going to change or that perspective is going to bring? But absolutely, Jason, we should not try to just get caught up in delivering on KPIs. Keep that big picture in mind. What are we looking for here? And somebody put it in a way that has really resonated with me when it comes to that whole topic is as a candidate, as somebody who is the prospect, the person that we saw the resume, we need to get to talk to them. They come into an interview. Now, does that person see a panel or a person that they can see themselves within? If I'm somebody who's a minority or underrepresented or fitting that diversity moniker there, is does this person see a fit for themselves in the panel of people that they're talking to in an interview. And if we can create such an environment where we present that, then we're winning. As opposed to saying we need five or we need a number, we want to create the environment that is not only welcoming, but embracing. Much more important. It is. It is. And let's not seek somebody out or let's not say we're all the same. That's missing the whole point of it. You know, we are powerful because we're not all the same. (laughs) We are stronger because we all bring these perspectives and different backgrounds and whether it's cultural, religious, or all these different backgrounds come together. And as a nation, that's what makes us stronger. As a company, that's what makes us stronger. Well, and I think as an industry, that's what makes us stronger. I mean, growing up in Houston, and being around this industry for so many years, I don't know, to me, with the international component of this industry and the global components of this industry, I think it's been diverse before diversity was cool. But (laughs) no, I definitely think that we have to continue to extend upon that. And like you said, I mean, make the environment. Jason, I know we've sat in on some panels where about women who work offshore. That's a really challenging environment still today, as much progress as we tried to make. And continue to try to make. It's just naturally a challenging environment. But maybe as a leader who's someone who's building out your talent strategy, you got to be really cognitive of the fact that, hey, maybe we've progressed really far down the track in some areas, but in some areas we'd need to be really smart about and provide a lot more support and care around so that you do have the inclusive environment and supportive environment for your team members. I don't know how much longer we're going to go on this topic, but let us say my summary statement, and maybe Jason, is that, wow, how complex it is to be somebody who is having to acquire talent in this industry with, I'm going to use your word, Scott, all the variables that seem to be present in front of us as we plan out the next three, five, 10 years of what our teams are going to look like. Yeah. Do you know what I'd like to do next, Brian? I'd like to get Western University 
or some of the colleges. Yeah, probably Western Uni and Veronica Wild that we interviewed. And maybe get a college, etc. a couple of students and get Scott and Emily on and let them literally do an hour of just having a debate, a discussion. Look at it from a university, maybe a client and students and have that discussion as a general, as an ex one, Scott. I'm not putting you over you and Emily on the spot. We don't even need Brian really anymore. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'll have a role by then. I think Jason mentioned something about an expiration date earlier, and I've been looking for my expiration date for the last five minutes, and I think I just found it. But yeah, absolutely. Nice. No, I think that that would be great. Absolutely. I think it would be definitely great to get their perspective, too. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of it relationships, interactions with several different colleges and universities, country, in our country and different countries. But in particular, I think it would be good to hear from their side how they view the job market. I mean, we talked to them kind of one-on-one, but to get a bigger picture, I think would be a good view. Absolutely. I think that's what we should do, Scott. I think so. If you guys are up for it, we could just, let's do that as a follow-up to this, because I really think it'd be good for us. We'd be good for the listeners and also just pull it it's almost like, what's it called, Mr. Stretch? Did you ever have one of those? Stretch Armstrong. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Stretch yeah. Armstrong. Look, Emily had one. Where you pull it different There, direction. I show my age there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It was your older brother, Emily. Don't worry. Hulk Hogan. Yep. <laughs> uh, you've got many years ahead of us, Scott. You've got hair in your head compared right. to Brian and I. <laughs> right. That's right. I thought it was a great conversation. I've avoided saying Scott's last name for 42 minutes now. So now you have to try now, though. Come on, let's see you try that. One. You maybe even be able to sing it. Stereskowski. Stereskowski. Nailed it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Wow. That's do you know how hard it is for a Texan to go beyond two syllables? <laughs> yeah, it sounds a lot easier than it looks. Stereskowski. There are, there, there's a lot of your people, though, in the center parts of Texas, right? A lot of Czech and Polish influence. Oh, yeah. So. There's some multi-syllable names out here. I just avoid them with as for much sure. as I can. For sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. There's a lot That's of dudes just, and pals. Not avoid the people. Hey, avoid the names. That's yeah, right. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Hey, buddy. Scott or Bob. That's right. Or Richard. Yeah, you don't go last name. You don't right. go last name. You feel included now, Scott, after that last barrage of your surname. That's right, you know. Brings us closer together, for sure. Here we go. We'll, we'll run a competition. Anyone that can get Scott's surname right on an email, we'll give a, an IBM t-shirt. There you go. Nice. There you go. Nice. There you go. And you don't want to sing it, Scott. You don't want to sing that surname? Again, I could do this. Yeah. So yeah, I could, your final thought, you have to listen to my poor voice sing this, is S-T-R-Z-Y-Z-Y-K-O-W-S-K-I. Emily, I know exactly why That's you right. brought the show on today. It, it was Talk hard to about, singing. I think we have a new theme song for the show, Scott. Thank you for that. <laughs> you got it. I'm going to capture that and do a rap with it. That's what we'll do, Scott. That's right, the remix. That's right. Oh, there's some deeper, darker, Scott. There you go. Yeah. Hey, I'm saving Thank that. Thank you very much, guys, well, for coming yeah. in. I really enjoyed You're very that, welcome. Scott. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Emily. Great. Thanks for your support, Brian. Hey, I'm glad to be back, even if it's temporarily, Emily. I'm going to be listening closely to see how many of the podcasts you're on here. So it's good to have you back, seriously. (laughs) Thank you. Nice one, guys. And if you want to be the next Scott, please give us a shout. We're going to try and cover as many things around Energy Workforce tomorrow. Sounds good. And that's it. That's a wrap. Talk to you guys later. Sounds great. Later. See you. Join us again next week on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.